0: Welcome to the Antioch Austin podcast. Wherever you're listening from, we hope this message encourages you. For more information about Antioch Austin, please check our website at antiochatx.com. Now here's Pastor J.D. Griffin. Well, if I haven't met you yet, my name's Chris and I'm on staff here. I'm one of the pastors. And I'm continuing our series that we've been in. We've been in this series called the Five Solas. And this, this word solas, it's a Latin word that means alone. And we've been talking about what these, this is because the five solas was, was something that really became popularized during the Protestant Reformation. And it's these five central beliefs that, that we can understand, that help us understand what our Christian faith is anchored in. And so with the first one J.D. talked about was sola scriptura. And it's saying that the Word of God, the Bible, is our standard for truth. The Bible alone is our standard for truth. Last week we talked about sola fide. It's by faith alone. And this week we're going to talk about sola gratia. I sound Italian every time I say it. I just can't help it. We're going to talk about by grace alone. By grace alone we are saved. It's not by our works. It's not by what you do. It is by grace alone that we have relationship with God restored. It is by grace alone that we have eternal life. It is by grace alone that we are empowered to live, as the scriptures say, reigning with God in this life. It is by grace alone, not by works. Not by anything that we can do, not by anything that we can think, not by anything that we can muster up. Because that's what grace is. Grace is not dependent upon what you do. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. It is the unmerited favor of God. It is not what you earned. It's what he freely gives. It's a place of a position and authority that you're given based upon him, not based upon you. You know, a few years ago, I got to do this bucket list trip for me. Maybe not be a bucket list trip for you, but it was one for me. It was, I couldn't have planned it any better. It literally was everything that I wanted to do in this kind of trip, but more. And to boot, it was a free gift given to me. Didn't have to pay for a single thing. So I grew up rooting for the evil empire known as the New England Patriots. That's right. And I'm a hardcore fan. And I can tell by some of your boos that you're not. It's all right. We're going to pray for your jealousy later. I mean, I'm a hardcore fan. I have socks. I have jerseys, sweatpants, sweatshirts, T-shirts, hats. I mean, hardcore fan. I record every game so that I can rewatch the highlights of the greatest plays or the plays that went against us that should have not. And so I am in to the Patriots. And so I had a buddy who we watched the Super Bowl together, and he was a big Seahawks fan, and the Seahawks lost to the Patriots. And so he said, you know what, as something I want to do for you, I'm going to fly you up to Foxborough, and I'm going to take you to a New England Patriots game. And so he went over the top. I didn't know about it. It was a total surprise. But he, it was a three-day trip. And he booked us a, a hotel at the stadium overlooking the stadium. And then he took me to every restaurant and paid for it all. He got us seats on the 50-yard line about 15 rows back. And then to add another layer to it, a friend of mine whose husband coaches for the Patriots, gave us field passes. So after the game, we got to play catch on the field and just look like complete dorks out there. Grown-up dorks running around playing football when no one else is on the field. It was unbelievable. And when I asked him, I said, Dave, why did you do this for me? Because this was a big deal. It meant a lot to me. I'm sure it cost him a ton. But why did you do that? And he said, I love you. You're my friend. And I just wanted to do it for you. That's a picture of what grace is like for us. That's, like, on a small scale, that is what grace is like for us. I didn't do anything for him. I didn't take him to lunch, and so this was his way of paying me back. No, he... He just cared. He cared about me, and so he did something extravagant for me. God loves us so much that he has done something extravagant for us. And so when we want to understand by grace alone, we need to understand it's not about what we did It's about who he is and and what he does from who he is. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to read the the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. Beginning in verse 1, it says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and the ruler of the kingdom of air, the spirit who is now at work at those who are disobedient. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Okay, we're going to pause and give some context here. So this is written by a guy named the Apostle Paul. His name's not Apostle, but his name's Paul. But he, he's an Apostle. He, he plants churches. And he's writing a letter to a church that he has planted. It's a mostly Greek church. So these people used to, to worship all sorts of idols. And they've heard the message of Jesus. They've responded to that message. And they're saying, yes, we're with him. And now they're gathered together, much like we are. And Paul's writing them a letter. And saying, hey, I need to explain some things to you in this letter. And so he's writing them this letter. And he's actually reminding them about where they came from. You know, sometimes it's good to remember where you came from. And Paul reminds them where they came from. He says, remember how you used to go your own way. Remember how... You used to do what you wanted to do, when you wanted to do it, how you wanted to do it. That was living according to your own flesh. That was living according to, to your desires, your wants. What actually you did in that time was called sin. Because you went in contrary to what God's nature is like and His ways. When you said, you know what, no, you don't set my path, I set my path. I determine what is good, right, wrong, and how I shall live, and I don't look to you to do that. When you did that, you created conflict between you and God. He said, and everybody's done it. The Bible actually says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And, and Paul's just reminding them, reminding them of, hey, remember, this is how you used to live. See, your your conflict with God created distance between you and God. And there's something about God that he can't be in proximity with, close proximity with with sin. See, because God is holy. And sin, it just can't draw near to him. And God is also just, and sin deserves to be punished. And so God needs to punish sin. And Paul is writing to them and saying, where you used to be, when you were in conflict with God, you, you were deserving of, of wrath. You were deserving of death. In fact, when you were separated from God, when you weren't in relationship with God, you were dead. Because life is found alone in God. And so if you're not in relationship with God, if you are separated from God, it is the same as being dead. And Paul's just reminding them, remember where you were. He goes on to say in verse 4, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms with Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming age, he might show his, the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Jesus Christ. Again, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us. We have been saved by grace. We have received this grace. When we say yes to Jesus... When we say, yes, I want to, to follow you. I want to declare and confess with my mouth. The Bible says if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that we will be saved. And it is by grace that we are saved, not by our actions, not by our, our good thoughts, not by some scale that our good actions or our good motives or our good intentions outweigh our bad ones. One bad one is enough to tip the scales, We're saved by grace. See, God actually gave people a chance to prove that they were good enough. Do you know that? He gave them a chance. Sin entered the world when Adam and Eve chose to to go their own way and not trust God's best for them. Sin entered the world, and and God said, You know what? I want to have relationship with people but your sin's an issue. See, your sin creates that distance, and I don't do distance. So I want to get near to you again. So uh, you know what I'll do? He, he had this, this guy Moses that he called his friend, and Moses led the people of Israel. And God called Moses up to a mountain, and, and he spoke to him there on that mountain. And he gave him some, some commandments. And he said, if the people can follow all of these and not mess up, If they, 613 of them, 613 laws, we have more than that in our country. Surely you can follow 613 laws. Surely you can do these things. I mean, some of them were simple, like don't murder, like just don't get so angry and kill somebody. And God's saying, surely you can do that. If you can do these 613 things, then this is how you work your way back to God. But guess what? No one did it. No one was able to keep them all. Every single time, every single person, they broke them. And so the distance was created again. And God says, I don't do distance. I want to be near to you. But this sin is an issue. And since you can't work your way back to me, I'm going to send my son. I'm going to send what I value the most because I love you so much. And he sends his son, Jesus, and Jesus does what no one else can do. He lived a perfect life. He lived a sinless life. He faced all sorts of temptations. If you were to read your Bible, you would see some of the things that Jesus faced. He had the opportunity to miss the mark, but he didn't. Because he didn't do distance with God either. He stayed in close proximity with God. So he didn't get separated and he didn't lose his way. And Jesus lived this life and, and he died on a cross. And when he died on that cross, what he did is he took the punishment for our sins. See, remember, God is just. And so that sin had to be paid for. So when someone who had never sinned died on, your, died on our behalf, the sin came on him and the penalty was paid. And when Jesus rose from the grave, he said, if those who will believe in me, believe that I am their Savior, that I have, what I have done is enough for them, if they will grab hold of that and say yes to it, then you will be saved. Not by following the 613 laws like I did, but by believing in me, by receiving grace. See, it's, it wasn't about what we could do. It's about what he did. There's a story in Mark chapter 5. We don't have the scriptures, guys. Um, but there's a story in Mark chapter 5. And, and there's this guy, he, he's known in the scriptures. You, we never hear his name. But he was known as the demoniac, the demon-possessed man. He was so tormented that he lived in caves off by himself in a graveyard. And he was so torn up and eaten up on, on the inside and in his mind and afflicted by, this, by these demonic spirits on his life that he that said he would cut himself and he would scream and wail. Can you imagine the pain that man was in? We often gloss over a story like that, but can you imagine the pain of a person? Isolated, in caves, because no one wants to be near him. That alone The pain of not having people want to be near you. Some of you have experienced that. You have felt that kind of isolation. You have felt that people don't want to be near you and you understand that kind of pain of what it feels like to feel alone. This man had lived like that for years. Thoughts running wild, being fed by lie after lie after lie turned into actions where he began to cut himself and scream. Can you just for a moment maybe imagine the atmosphere of that place? It probably wasn't warm and fuzzy. Everybody knows that's where that guy lives, if you can even say he lives. Everybody knows that's just where that guy is. And it's a dark, heavy, depressing environment. But then one day, Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up at that place. And when Jesus shows up, he carries a different kind of environment. And immediately, you can sense something is different. That man can sense something is different. Something is not normal. And he runs to Jesus. And all he can do is say, get out. Leave. Doesn't sound like he's welcoming him. Get out. Leave. And Jesus looks at him. And he speaks to those demonic oppressions and he says, leave this man. And at once they left. And it says the man was in his right mind. The man didn't do anything. He did nothing. Yet grace showed up at his door. And things changed for him. Things shifted because grace showed up at his door. Grace is showing up at your door today. Grace is here today. Grace is here for you. The unmerited favor of God is here. Do you want it? Do you want that grace? Do you want to receive that from him? I want to do something a little different than we would maybe normally do in in one of our services. I want to just ask you to close your eyes for a moment. You know, normally at the, the end of our service, we give people the opportunity to give their life to following after Jesus. If they've never done that before, or if they want to recommit to following Jesus, maybe you said you wanted to do that at some point, but you stopped and and you've just kind of been doing your own thing. This morning, I want to offer you the opportunity to say yes to the grace that God's offering this morning. Again, the, the Bible says that if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, that we will be saved. What that means is we will be put back into right standing, right relationship with God. That he promises that we will have eternal life and that his grace will come and empower you to live the life that he's called you to. This morning, if you want to say, you know, I want to give my life to Jesus. I've either never done that or I've walked away from that and I want to come back to it today. Just with all the The eyes closed right now. If you want to do that, will you just shoot your hand up for me? Amen. Thanks, man. All right, you can put your hand down. All right. God, thank you. Hey, church, can we just celebrate what God just did? Hands raised across the room. See, it's the unmerited favor of God. God showing up and giving you what you could not earn on your own. Receiving that right standing relationship with God. Did you know when we read in scripture and it says the word righteousness, what that means is to be in right relationship with God. It means the the distance that was there has been removed. And we no longer have the distance. God is now just right next to me. We're in this together because of receiving grace. By grace alone. Sola gratia. You know, but it doesn't just save us and give us eternal life. And even though that would be enough amen, to, to be saved, to no longer have distance, but to, to be in relationship with God and to have eternal life with him, that alone is pretty incredible. But grace is also, it is the unmerited favor of God, but it is also the power of God in your life to do the will of God for your life. It empowers you. Grace frees you and empowers you at the same time. It frees you and empowers you. And what Romans 5 says, it actually causes you to be able to reign with Christ in this life. I mean, that's incredible to think of. We have been created. It, it said in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are his handiwork, that he created us. It also said that through us, his incomparable grace would be on display. Because it would be empowering us to live in a way that was not possible on our own. Because we're living not trying to prove our worth to God, but receiving the worth we have in God. See, sometimes we need to remember the cross not in this heavy sober term of, oh, I can't believe that. No, but remembering how high a price God paid. What do you pay a high price for? Something you think is incredibly valuable. God so values you that he paid the highest price for you. Let that settle on you today. That you are so valuable to God that he gave his only son for you. The cross is a picture of how much you are worth to him. You were swore so much to Him that He would give up everything for you so that you could live the life that you were made to. Let's look at what Romans 5 says. Romans 5, beginning in uh, verse 17. It's comparing, to give you a little context before we dive in real quick, it's comparing... Adam's sin, and when it says Adam, it's talking about mankind's sin, but really it's, it's helping us contrast. But it's comparing Adam's sin with Jesus. And it's saying, for if by the trespass of one ma- man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who have received God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Consequently, Just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in the justification and life for all people. For just as though the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners, so also though the obedience of one man, many will be made righteous. The law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, Grace increased all the more. Let that encourage your heart today. You've been stuck in a loop of sin. You've been stuck in a cycle you don't know how to get out of. You're wondering, is there a way of escape where sin has increased? Grace has increased all the more. If you need a breakthrough this morning, the grace of God is on the increase in your life. It is not decreasing. No matter what loop you've been stuck in, no matter how many times you've gotten stuck in it, the grace of God is increasing for you today. Where sin increases, grace increases all the more. So that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You were created to reign in life with him, to be empowered by grace. Let's go back to our story. Mark 5, where the demoniac gets set free Jesus looks at him and says a word and all the things that were tormenting him are just gone. The man is changed. Just like so many of you have experienced. You've experienced grace come into your life and you know you've been changed. Things are not the same. Things are different now. There's a hope that you feel. There's there's an encouragement that you live from. There's a joy that comes on you. Things are different now. But sometimes you feel maybe a little stuck. See, so this man didn't just get set free. You can imagine when Jesus got ready to leave, the man said, I, I got to go with you. I got to go with you. Wherever you go, I'm going. And Jesus looks at him and says, no. No. You're staying here because your story is going to change where you're from. Everybody knows your story, but now they're going to know that new you. They're going to experience the freedom that I brought you. They're going to see the change that is taking place. I'm empowering you by my grace to go stay where you're at. And to see it change, to see things shift to see things just be different. What happened right after this is the people of that town heard what had happened and they came out and they were freaked out by it. They hadn't gotten to know what had happened to that man. They hadn't seen it yet. They were just bothered by what Jesus had just done. And so they said, you gotta go. You gotta leave this place. And so Jesus did. He left. But the man stayed. He stayed empowered. He stayed empowered by grace. By grace alone, he stayed empowered. Jesus ended up going back to that place. And it said the people received him gladly and that many had heard about the miracles of Jesus. How did they hear? I propose it was the man who got empowered by grace, who got saved by grace, who got empowered by grace and stayed where he was. I want you to stand to your feet. God wants to empower you this morning. God wants to empower you this morning.